As I was working through this passage this week, I was reminded again of how grateful I am for this church, for this church family. Now, we who've been here a while, we know that we're not perfect. We know that we still have our difficulties. Like any family, sometimes we say things that hurt. Sometimes we say things that we need to apologize for. But I am continually astonished by this family, by this family of faith, and the ways that we come together, and the ways that we care for each other, the ways that we share with each other. A couple of these things just in this last week. Uh, well, actually, two weeks ago, Yvonne was in the hospital, and she was there for a fracture in her right leg, just above your ankle, right? And a fracture in your left leg, uh, just above your knee. Well, we went and prayed, and I know that, that this church was praying for her. The doctors sent her home because they couldn't see the fractures anymore. Praise, Praise God. Yes. Yesterday I went and I met with, with Colleen Smink. And I sat with her at her table. I had to go visit her because Tracy told me, because Deb told her. <laughs> That's about wings work in church. I had to go visit her because she, she went to the hospital and the doctors were looking for the, um, for the tumor that she had. And they couldn't feel it. She was explaining to me that um, before it was growing. And she, she said she went in at one point and it was like something like this. And she went in a few weeks later and it, she said it felt like she had a broken rib because it was pressing. It was growing that fast. And she said her lymph nodes were, were large and inflamed. She said the doctor couldn't feel them. <laughs> she kept saying the doctor was rubbing his hands together, saying, these are the stories we love. I'm reminded again of this church and how we care for each other. How we gather around each other and we pray for each other. Yesterday, this place was filled again, gathering around the stories as we remembered Helen and the faithful witness that she was in this church. I'm grateful for this church. And I'm, I'm amazed and I'm continuing to be astonished the way that God has brought us together here in the Kootenays, here in this place. Walter often reminds me that this was the first church that was built, in here, built here in over 100 years. And the ways that we are ministering and caring for our community. Watching the kingdom of God grow here in Balfour. Watching the kingdom of God grow in ministries in Mexico, in Haiti. Through the missionaries that we pray for and support in the Philippines, in Russia. I praise God for this church, for this family that he's brought us together. I wish I could help people outside of our church see church more as a family. I think a lot of people see church, especially outside of church, as this institution or like this business where I would go to receive religious services. And they think, why would I want to be a part of that? You know, there's people get upset and there's politics. and you know, I, I used to think like that. My wife, she's a, a victim of this because when, I, when, I, when we first met, I told her I wanted to be a professor. I didn't want anything to do with the church. I wanted to follow Christ and I love people, but I want to be a professor because there's no politics in universities. <laughs> so she had no idea that she was marrying a pastor. It was actually in seminary as I was talking with one of my good friends, one of my faithful friends. He's a pastor now in Washington. And I asked him, why do you want to be a pastor? He said, because I love the church. Those words have haunted me since. 
Because I love Christ. I love the church. I love this family. I wish I could help people see this more like a family. You know, that as families, we have things. Those of you with families, the Johnsons, imagine you're experiencing some of this with everybody here right now. That Sometimes you say things, or, or there's, sometimes there's conflict, or things that come up. And yet, because we're family, we still love each other. We still care for each other. We still share with each other. I mean, think about your, your family, your brother or your sister or your parents. If they asked you for something, how many of you would you say no? Don't raise your hand if you would. But, <laughs> but this is a family, this place where we love each other like family. As I've been reading through and working through this passage this week, I'm realizing that this church, this beginning church, this first church that we, were, that we heard about this morning, they were operating like a family. Now, we've been following this church for the last five weeks through this sermon series, the, the outreach of the early church, and it began with them healing someone. Peter and, and John going to the temple and, and healing this man. And, and then this series of events that God was working through. Persecution from the religious leaders to the church, them coming back in the church praying for even more boldness to go and proclaim this gospel until this moment now. We hear the result of what happened in this church of the ways they cared for each other, the ways that they shared things. Now, Luke was talking about this, and he wrote that they, this church was of one heart and one soul, trying to get at how unified they were. Now, it's pretty amazing when you think about this church, of where this church came from. And I look at you, I'm kind of reminded of this church, of how many of you have come from far-off places to be here this morning. It was similar with that church then. A lot of people had come for Pentecost. People from all over the Mediterranean, from Rome, from Egypt, from, from the Near East, from, from Jerusalem itself. They had all these people gathered together, and then they heard this amazing news of, of Jesus, and they stayed. And the church became this group of people. You can imagine the diversity, all the different accents and dialects that were spoken in this church, and yet everyone was welcome here, and they shared things. Unity permeated this church. It worked out in everywhere. Everywhere you saw it was working out. And they demonstrated it. They demonstrated this unity. They didn't just read about it in Scripture and then talk about how a good church should do it. They lived it out. They shared their things with each other. They even sold their things to make sure that everybody had what they needed. It's interesting, as you hear about the unity of the church, you hear about what they did to care for each other. It was this radical generosity, this radical unity. It's radical in our society, but for a family, it seems more plausible. It seems more possible. The sort of things that you do for your own family. See, they, they shared homes with each other. And you get a sense for the, even the, the economic diversity in this church. You see, to have a home in the first century in Jerusalem, that was a big deal. They didn't have a middle class like we do. They had Roughly the wealthy, which was like 4%. They had this sort of middle class of maybe like 10% of people. And the rest of people were poor. So you had these people with homes who were believing into Jesus. And they invited the rest of the church into their home to meet and to pray, to sing songs of praise and to eat the Lord's Supper together. They shared their homes with people. They opened their homes. But then as people had need, they even sold things, sold the assets. We heard about Barnabas the son of encouragement, sold the field that he had to make sure that other people had enough food to eat or had clothes to wear or a place to sleep. 
This family working together, caring for each other. Now, I appreciate the way that, that the NIV translates. They say that they were selling things, that they were sharing things, that they were continually, or from time to time, they would sell things. Some translations, and in the Greek, it's a bit more complicated. Greek, sometimes there's three words. They use three words to use what we'd take ten to describe. But it says they had everything in common. There's some that, that very um, literally translate that way. They had everything in common. That can give us the idea that the church, to be a Christian, they sold everything, put it into one account, and then everybody tried to live off that. But as we keep reading through Acts, we see that's not what happened. The people still owned their homes. But they were so generous with them. They did not see them as, this is not just my property anymore. That God has blessed me, so I want to share. I want to share and to bless others. We see it in just a few, actually a few verses after this, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Some of you have heard that story. You remember them. That They are famous for basically trying to rip God off. They sold their property, and they let everyone believe. They told everyone that they brought everything, but they would held some back for themselves. And they paid the ultimate price for it. They died. But before they died, Peter said, and this is the point I want us to hear, he said, why did you do this? This home was yours to do with what you wanted. You didn't have to do this. Why would you do this? Why would you sell it and then take the money? And even the money was yours. Why would you take that and then try to, to make it sound like you were more generous? It was yours to do with as God called you. So we see that the point I'm getting at here is that even in this situation, the home was still theirs to do with as God was leading them. It wasn't like they had to, as a part of, their, of the demands of being of the church, they had to sell all of it and join the group. But also we hear this too in, in verse, or chapter 12. I'm hearing about when Peter, when God sprung Peter from jail, and Peter shows up at the house of Mary, still at her house, knocking, let me in, and they won't let him in because they think it's a ghost because he's supposed to be in jail. But God had set him free. Again, we see it throughout Acts and throughout the letters of Paul as he talks to people and in the homes that they met in. But I do think that even while it's not called to put everything in common, we're not talking about some sort of communism here or, or this communal living, as cool as that might be, but talking about a community that shared with each other. This prophetic office that the church has. This prophetic office that we have as followers of Christ to share, to share with each other, to share with those even outside of our church. See, our world needs this. We live in a world consumed, consumed with greed, with selfishness. Most of our culture lives by the mantra, more and more for me and mine. How can I get more? How can I be more successful? How can I get more stuff? Don't worry, Mil he's, he's hurt. <laughs> he's not upset. <laughs> he's been in an accident. <laughs> Our culture lives by this. They need to see us live this faithfulness, this generosity. They need to see the church live this out faithfully. We have a prophetic role in our community, in this world, to be generous with each other, to share. I've entered into this kingdom economy in these last few weeks. Tracy and I, praise God, we just moved into our home. 
And I have experienced it so many times now. This family of faith. I'm looking out here and I, and I see so many people who've, who've lent things to me. Rick lent me his chainsaw. Rick and Pat so that I could work on our place. I said, here, here's a chainsaw. Here's gas. Everything. Use it. Just bring it back when you're done. How gracious that is. People who helped us, helped us move. Uh, Rick and Rudy. Chris Tricker, they, they all came and helped me move. Then a few days later, while we still had boxes piled up in our place, I went and we helped Chris move. That's what family does. We share our time and, and we help each other out. See, our world needs this. Our world needs to see this. It helps them see that this faith, this Jesus we talk about, it's not just something that we, that we do and that we kind of play at on Sundays. It changes who we are. It changes the way we live. We become new people because of it. I'm not saying it's always easy. Sometimes I struggle. God forgive me. Sometimes people will say, hey, I need to borrow that. And I'm thinking, that's mine. (laughs) I know, it's it's horrible. Just like Dave was saying, the horrible things that we still do, the horrible things we know we're capable. That's mine. I love that thing. But it helps, and just as you sang to the song, that we are reminded that everything we have is a gift from God. Everything we have, the homes we have, the cars we drive, the family we love, these are gifts from God. Even our ability to work hard, even our ability to work is a gift from God. There are people, there are people who don't even have that ability. See, that's radical. There are people, I know, especially people in our community who say like, No, this is mine. I worked for it. These things are mine. I deserve it. I earned it. In the back of my mind, sometimes in the front of my mouth, I say, I say, these are gifts from God. Even your ability to work. Even this place where you were born. Billions of people are born in countries where they will never have the opportunity to go to school. Never have the opportunity to own a home. These are gifts from God. I'm reminded of this, again, as I read this passage, as I think about ways we are to care, to care for each other. Our world needs this. They need us to testify. Testify by the way that we live and the ways that we share with each other. This first church, they lived like a family. They were united as one heart and one soul. They cared for each other and they shared things. And because of that, they testified. They testified in the community that they lived. People saw the way they lived and they couldn't deny that Jesus had changed them. But here's the amazing thing. In addition to the testimony they had, God blessed them. God honored their faithfulness. The ways that they faithfully lived together, God honored that. I believe that God desires to bless every church. I believe God desires to bless this church as we live faithfully, as we care for each other and share with each other and share radically with people in our community. I believe God desires to bless that. But you know how God desires to bless that? First, He desires to bless that with power to proclaim the gospel. We heard as we were, as we were reading this morning that, that He blessed this community. He blessed the apostles with power to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus. So that was the first thing power to proclaim this amazing news of who Jesus is and what He has done. I see the connection there. 
Do you see the connection too? How, how easy it becomes to tell people about this family you belong to. This church family you belong to when things are when we're actually living out this faith. It becomes much easier. When we actually live out this faith, it's exciting to tell people what's happening here. You can imagine how awkward it would be if as a church we still struggled with selfishness. If we still acted like five-year-olds, five-year-olds hoarding everything for ourselves, fighting over things, backbiting, insulting, undercutting. Those things are not exciting to talk about. Those things are not fun to bring people into. So I can see how it, how it proclaimed or how, it, how God blessed them and how they wanted to proclaim this gospel with people. They wanted to share what Jesus had done. I am excited to talk with people about this church, about this family that God has made us and is making us. I'm excited to tell them about this, this journey we are on towards vitality, of becoming a healthier church, a church that is healthier in our relationship with Christ, a church that is healthier in our relationship with each other and with our community, a church that is more missional, that is concerned about uh, talking with our friends, about encouraging them in faith, people right here in our community, as well as serving people in communities throughout the world. I'm excited to, to bring people into that. That's a great thing. That's a great church or a great family for people to be a part of and to experience. I also want them to experience this, this community that's more alive. As God fills us, as God's Spirit works and moves in us, how it changes us, it transforms us. People can tell. Jason, why do you smile all the time? You always have this funny grin on your face. What is that? God is at work in me. Christ is changing me. I want to bring people into this community. And they see what's happening here among us. But it's also, too, that God blessed them, not just the, the power to the apostles to, to proclaim this, this amazing news about Jesus, but also He blessed them with grace. Luke tells us that grace abounded in this place. Grace overflowed in this place. Imagine a church like this. Imagine a church overwhelmed with God's grace. People so grateful at what God had done. The length that Jesus went to to make us right with God, to save us and to rescue us. Imagine a church overwhelmed with this grace. A church overwhelmed that God had forgiven them despite all the things they had done. Despite all the things in their past that they regret, they wish they could go back and change. Imagine a church realizing that God had rescued them, seeing where they were headed in life, and now where God has brought them. Imagine a church where people, with tears in their eyes, tears of joy, set down their pride, Stop standing on ceremony, trying to prop up their dignity and confess to God, God, I am a sinful person. God, I do things that I hate. God, I do things that break the hearts of others and break my own heart. Lord, forgive me. I want to be different. Then imagine the tears of joy that follow that. Experiencing God's grace, God's love. Imagine a church filled with this sort of joy as they begin to sing songs about God, about Jesus and what He's done. Imagine a church like this. 
Sometimes I see glimmers of this in our church. I watch you, or I experience our relationship together as one family, and I am astounded, I am amazed by the grace that flows between us. How gracious we are with each other. Things that are subtle, that maybe a lot of people might overlook, but I see them, and they speak grace to me. At the same time, I'm still sometimes amazed at how much we take grace for granted. I'm talking about all of us here, me included. How we hear that Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to the right hand of God, that we might be made right with God the Father. We hear this amazing news, and we say, yeah, I know. And then we go on living our life just like everybody else. But I have hope. I have hope for us. I have hope because I know the way you are. I see the church that God has made you. But I also see the church that God is calling us to be. This faithful church. Moved by the love of God. God is at work in this place. And I am hopeful for this. But God was also at work. He was balancing, He was blessing this church in a practical way as well. Made sure that no one had need. Not that everybody had everything they wanted. So, church probably won't buy you that new boat. Sorry. <laughs> or that new quad or that new kitchen. But it did provide what people needed. No one went to bed hungry. No one had to go without clothes. People had homes to live in, a place to stay. Everything was cared for. People had a place to belong. People who had nowhere to belong for so long, in this place, in this church, they had a place to belong, a family to belong to again. God blessed this church. He blessed their faithfulness. He blessed them with a testimony to proclaim this news that Christ has risen. He blessed them with this amazing grace and He blessed them with practically caring for them, with provision. I think that God is calling us to be a church like this. I hear God speaking to us to be this sort of church, a church that cares for each other, a church that is a community of love. This last week I've been working through, I was reading my devotion and it finally connected for me. I know it's, it's like been 10 years <laughs> since I've been working on this, but God has finally broken through. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is John 10.10. 10, when he says, The enemy has come to steal and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more full. See, this life more full happens in family. I used to think about this life more full purely on personal terms, purely about just me. God, make me happier. Help me to be more compassionate. Lord, give me this, this expansive life, this fullness of life. And it was all about me. It wasn't until this week and working through this passage and through my devotion, all these things coming together, that I realized, someone had to tell me, someone had to tell me that you can't do this on your own. This full life isn't full if you're trying to do it on your own. It's meant to be within this community. It's meant to be within this family. We need each other. As Christians, we need this church. I know we live in a time when a lot of people say, like, I just do my own thing. It's just me and God. I don't really need church. Nothing could be further from the truth. We need this family. We need this family to draw us out. Because when we're by ourselves, we don't realize how selfish we are. 
In fact, we probably pat ourselves on the back thinking how great we are. But when we live and fan with others, Tracy can tell you about me, I'm sure some of the other guys, your wives can tell you that we struggle with our selfishness. It's in community, it's in family that people draw it out. That we see how selfish we are. How hard we've been. How difficult we are. We need family to draw us out, to lead us into deeper repentance. That we can no longer go on deluding ourselves of how great we are. The family can tell us. They can show us. Sometimes with their words, sometimes when they just look away and cry. We need family to draw us out. But we also need family to include us. I think about my day yesterday, in the morning, spending time with the family, with the stories, with their family, remembering Helen. Then a few hours after that, meeting with Colleen and Willem and praying with them, excited to hear how God was healing her. This is life more full. Judy and I, we've been talking about this some. How we're involved in this family, and things are messy at times. We have things with our, with, with our family, with people we love, things going wrong. But that's life more full. Things happen with this connection as a church. We are connected in this way. This world needs us to be faithful. They need us to be involved in this family. This world is broken and needs us to testify, to live out this love and care for each other. This morning I hear God speaking again. I hear God's Spirit speaking to us as a church, calling us into this family again. But this isn't just some institution. It's not a place where you come and you just spend some time on Sunday morning. This is a family. Those of you who are visiting here, you are still a part of this family. You're part of your family and your church at home as well. But we are family, this family of God. We need to live this out so that it will proclaim this gospel, this who this Jesus is, this amazing life that he's done, that he's given us.